0: Welcome back, all you beautiful motherfuckers. It's another episode of the Excellence Cartel. Myself, Jeff Black, Jason Theobald, and we have Dr. Anthony J joining us today. He's returning for his third time. Today, we're going to talk about the low T phenomenon and kind of get into that. That's gotten some news lately. Testosterone numbers are just plummeting left and right. Like, what's behind it? Jay, uh, Dr. J, I want to also call you J because I'm so formal with you, uh, wrote a book called The Estrogeneration. And it is a phenomenal book we had him on to talk about that for he went over jason's shitty G- dna which jason like wants to get new genetics because of and today we're bringing back DNA to talk about what are you talking about? Uh, it's okay it was uh-huh. it was as good as mine i i can tolerate train at high doses according alex so we're all good <laughs> um but we figured we would get on to this topic and have like a discussion about it you know and maybe even include you know once you're on trt therapy about hematocrit and things like that and kind of get down that road um, but first, real quick, we do have about 26 seats left for the PEC January 27th, 28th in Tampa. If you guys are looking to book the tickets, um, they're on the excellencecartel.com. And with that being said, Jason, how was your last seven days?
1: Really good. Um you're like really good. good. All right. Any, any way I look at it, really good. Uh business on the nutrition coaching front is is uh Slammed, which is a good thing, right? Um, just had uh one our one of two meetings for New Ethics. Every all of our brain trust is in town, um, and we've got a lot of good pieces in place, and I think it's going to be an excellent year for us on New Ethics side. So you know uh, everything's been pretty good. Um, I don't think there's been anything else really wild to report. So that's about it, man. Just uh, cranking along here, you know, early January
0: i see you got back into the guitar
1: trying it's just like it's just busy man like but i need to it's a good stress relief that's why i posted to kind of remind myself <sighs>
0: i'll be honest with you watching your fingers manipulate that neck just did something to me
1: <laughs> you know so anyway
0: um let's see my last seven days I, normally you know i mean i miss jeff in this situation because it allows me to think a little bit longer my last seven days have just been chill busy with signups the gym's popping. Really have no ultimate complaints. Dorian has made himself quite at home. It's like a frat house here. Um, he's a super good dog. Uh, six years everyone asked for what he was, six-year-old rescue pity. Um, so he is very, very docile and he doesn't like to do anything but lay.
1: where'd you get him did you go to a rescue group or did you get him out literally out of the pound
0: so you know uh robo who i hang out with here in nashville he's in my guy group uh he saw that dog on east nashville instagram's page it was like hey i think this dog fits what you're looking for mannerisms the whole nine yards and so we went met him and like within like a minute the dog's like on his back and was like wanting to be pet and he doesn't pull the leash on Keegan and you know Keegan's starting to get a little bit more steady with his legs and stuff so that was pretty nice that the dog's very slow with keegan and lets him walk around slowly so uh overall it's been a great addition to the house nice i can't wait uh no yeah, no i can't wait for you to come down <laughs> i have to take you out my supra and, and watch me not yeah, get this beanie. Yeah. i finally yeah. got radar detector for that baby too nice <laughs>
1: people still use those they still make
0: those yeah they do you know i mean this, i don't know if they really work, but this will give you like yeah. a little heads up and make it sound cool like i'm when well, i'm like looking down i'm at a hundred like, i'm like breaking the law, breaking the law mm. it's kind of one of those moments i have But anyway, Dr. J, it's been a while since we've seen you. We were chatting offline about you being a badass bow hunter um, and some time that you took off the grid over the holidays and all that. What made you get into bow hunting? And then I want to hear about how you like your last week's been and like what's going on with your company and all that before we get into this. But
2: yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was 12 years old, my parents let me get a bow. My mom hates guns. Like to this day, she hates guns. She would never let us have guns, all this kind of thing.
0: I just bought and, my first gun this past week. Actually, I actually oh, bought it yesterday. Oh, HK it. Uh, SV9.
2: Cool. Yeah. So yeah. No, it's. I mean, I I have a bunch of them now. Of course, you know, and mm. I have a grizzly <laughs> bear backup gun, and I've got a hog backup gun that I carry when I'm bow hunting. But, and I do a lot of shotgun hunting, like duck hunting and things. But, um, but it, yeah, as a teenager. I was never allowed to have a gun and I got into bow hunting just through tournament shooting. My brother was the state champion archer. My brother got invited to the Olympic team.
0: Oh really? Uh, mm -hmm.
2: And he would have had to skip college to do that, but he decided to go to college instead, but he was unbelievable. Just an absolute robot, just bullseye, 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 you know? And, uh, and yeah, for me, it was just the, the tournament shooting, just got me into that community. And a lot of the people that shoot at targets are hunters. And then I just learned about it from there and just freaking loved it. And it was tough, man. The first couple of years I did it, you know, I was just, just struggling. I got one deer finally, you know, after a couple of years of doing it and then I got hooked on it. Hmm. Yeah. I've done ever since I've shot a couple of moose. I've shot a bunch of bears. I've shot, I got a pronghorn this year, pronghorn antelope, uh, four deer this year so far well the the season's over so four deer (laughs) actually two are in tennessee
0: oh Um, yeah what part
2: uh over it's kentucky lake i had an airbnb kentucky Mm lake and uh great time in in tennessee you can shoot like two per day
0: (laughs) yeah that's why all my hunting friends love it it's not like a a lot of people moved here from like the northwest during COVID you know, where you had to enter a lottery to hunt in Oregon and Washington, yep. place like that. They're just love it down here. They're like, yep. Stacking deer. And I'm like, yep. have at it, man. Keeps them off the road from hitting my car. I'm okay with yep.
2: that. Yep. Exactly. And I bow hunt. So they, the licensing and stuff is a lot easier, you know, than the gun hunting and the seasons are a lot longer. So yeah, it works good and, and, and it's cheaper meat. And, you know, I, I do a lot of meat processing yeah. myself and grinding and, so, yeah, that's the hunting. And then the, uh, I don't know, the past weeks have been crazy busy. You know how it is around New Year's. Everybody wants to get healthy and uh, get slammed. So I do a lot of genetic consulting and DNA <laughs> consulting this time of year. And I want to thank your audience, too, because I've had a bunch of people from your audience that came and did genetic nice. consults after we did that DNA podcast.
1: So that that's was appreciated. Cool.
0: Well, fuck yeah! That's awesome to hear because you know that's what allows guests like you to keep coming on when they support what you guys do. So, if you've been listening and you have been a cheapskate and not explored (laughs) Doctor Chase services, please do. Um, I actually would like to give you my DNA because I got my you know brittle bone disease and have you look at and then bring you on because I think that would be interesting. Just you know uh, what everything is. So, um, what would be the one thing that you think is um, in the fitness industry going into this year? What do you see on the horizon that might be almost like an event horizon that kind of shifts? Do you see anything like real big and pivotal coming out this year?
2: Ah, good question. I mean, I'm always keeping an eye on that vaccine, the COVID vaccine Mm -hmm. and just awareness around the issues with that. And I mean, you know, I think in my book, I even mentioned this. I used to, I, when I was doing my PhD in Boston, and, and I used to run a nonprofit. I was the president of a nonprofit, an international medical nonprofit um, after my PhD. I, I managed to, I had lunch with four different Nobel Prize winners, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was eating lunch with these people, I would always ask them, what's on the new horizon? Exactly the question you had, right? Like, especially in the medical world and in just new technology, and these people are super geniuses, some of them, especially these medical uh, Nobel prize winners, the, the ones that won them in chemistry or biology, right? Just unbelievable people. And I said, what's the, what's the next frontier in medicine, right? Like, so what's something, what's something we don't know anything about. And it's, it's really the next frontier. And they almost, they all had a couple ideas. They all had some interesting thoughts, but the two that all of them said, everybody said the same two plus a few more. One of them was neurology, right? Like brain research. And the other one was immunology. They don't know anything about neurology and immunology. Now, of course, they don't tell you this, right? Like if some, if you talk to a neurologist, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we know a shit ton of uh, about neurology. Well, we do, but there's it's a totally new frontier. Same with immunology. And the reason for those two being such a new frontier yeah, is because when you go in and you try and study the brain, you disrupt it. Right. Like, let's say I drill a hole in your skull and I'm trying to study some neurons in a natural environment. I just screwed up your brain. Right. And so you can do scans and stuff, but that only gives you a really limited idea of like, you can't scan with an MRI what proteins are doing what, right? You can't get down to the mechanistic level. So you have to take cells out, put them in a plastic dish and grow those cells. And then you're trying to study brain cells in a dish. I mean, come on, that's super disrupted. But that's what all the research is based on. It's all based on plastic dishes, taking cells out, super unnatural, super artificial immune system is this exact same problem, right? Like whenever you start poking around and you're messing with the immune cells, you're disrupting, you're basically triggering the immune cells to react and cause an immune reaction. And then you're studying that in an artificial way. So those two things are really hard to, to measure and study. And they're new frontiers, you know, so anytime somebody's really prideful about either of those topics, I'm always nervous because we really don't know that much about it. And as a researcher, I can tell you that's an absolute truth. I mean, they call it the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, right? Like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is if you try and determine where an electron is, so electrons, they, they spin around a nucleus, right? You've got protons, neutrons in a little, in, just imagine like a pitcher's mound in baseball and you have a P on the pitcher's mound. Like that's the that's the uh, nucleus. Literally you just put a P or a baseball, let's just say a baseball, put a baseball on a pitcher's mound. That's the nucleus. That's the protons and neutrons and all the way outside the stadium, You have electrons floating around, like orbiting uh, the pitcher's mound. Literally, that's the spatial reference. Like that's that's how far away they are from nucleus, but that's what's going on. You have these pea-sized objects floating around the baseball stadium, circling a pea-sized nucleus. But the point is, when you try and determine where the electrons are that are spinning around the baseball stadium, you disrupt them. They fly off. They go into the next town. They go into New York City from Boston. You know what I mean? And now you're studying your own disruption. And so that's a difficult challenge in science. And that's always going to be a new frontier until we see some really big gains in those areas.
0: I'll be honest. So since everything with the vaccine, I bought an AED for my gym. Uh, The state does Mm -hmm. not mandate that we have it. But I was seeing just some of the stuff I've seen. And I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. I better be safe than sorry. Because even they're showing in long COVID that there could be issues with people in their heart. It's really an interesting phenomenon. Uh you know, we could probably have a whole podcast episode just on conspiracy theory of mm. COVID-19. Mm. But um the one study that I si- did see about it was showing that where people who took it how the the vaccine how it impacted their endurance, I wanted to say mm. Mm. with some of that. So, um but anyway, uh I could I, we could go down that rabbit hole and go deep. But let's
2: Right, right.
0: It over into um low t phenomenon which mm-hmm. i think hormone replacement therapy probably caught on in the last two years or so like mm-hmm. meaning more and more people and jason has an hrt clinic so i think he would agree with this it's almost like now with more and more people aware of it more people are kind of like okay what is what you know is it for women is estrogen bad for them to have is it going to cause them to get cancer you know do they even need hrt therapy to 20 year olds, let's say we're going to focus on the low T phenomenon, but we're now seeing 20 year olds who have levels like my workout partners, 23 Ben walked on to Arkansas football. Oddly enough is a tight end played four years there. So, you know, he's got grit. His testosterone oh. levels like 270, I think, when he got tested, he's oh, yeah. 23, right? But the oh. fact that he even built anything, damn. I was like, damn, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you're seeing this more and more. This it, and it's probably been the last decade I've seen guys coming up with numbers like early, it started probably like in the 700s and the 600s, and then you'd see four and three and two, and I've seen sub 100. And now you're yeah. seeing it in women and who mm-hmm. aren't even on birth control, right? Like you're just yep. seeing it overall. Where do you think this fucking phenomenon is coming from? I know we've talked about estrogeneration before in our podcast, but why do you think it's just, it's almost like it's just building like a snowball going downhill and it looks yeah. like it's not going to stop. So where do you think this is coming from?
2: Yeah. A lot of things. Right. And we should talk about all of them, but sure, I'll just further validate that. You know, I'm, I'm friends with the guy down in Miami who runs a hormone replacement clinic and he, he used to have a, a policy that said, look, we don't even accept patients in, unless they're above 40 years old. And he said like once a year or something, and this guy is like 80 years old, right? He's been around a long time. And he said like, yeah, maybe once a year they'd have like a 30 year old come in and say he needs HRT, but they would actually like send him to somewhere else, you know? It was, it had to be above 40 years old or we won't take you. That was the policy. And he said now in the past 15, 10, 15 years, literally Everybody like today. I, I asked him what his numbers are. He looked it up on his PDF or an Excel sheet or something. Eighty plus percent of his patients are uh, below age forty. Like he changed the policy because it's like freaking everybody now,
1: <laughs>
2: and that's sad, right? I mean, I know I kind of laugh about it because it's so ridiculous, but it's honestly pretty sad. And the 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 problem starts because. Number one, a lot of people are nutrient deficient, right? I mean, any type of nutrient deficiency, you're going to decrease your testosterone. If people are eating absolute nonsense. You know, they're eating all these high carb foods that have nothing but carbs, like Doritos or something, and they trick your brain. Like your brain thinks you're getting some type of nutrition. These things are designed by scientists to trick your brain. They have opioid binding peptides. And like, like people should look this page up on Wikipedia. It's called Opioid Peptide. O-P-I-O-I-D peptide, opioid peptide. If you look that up, you'll find about five foods that activate your opioid receptor. They're addictive. Dairy is one of them. Um, And I don't have a problem with dairy if people are addicted to it as long as it's good with their genetics, right? But if it's bad with their genetics, you got to avoid dairy. It's very inflammatory and it's very addictive. So it's hard for people to get off it. Number two, uh, gluten. Gluten is super addictive. And so is gliadin, by the way. If you cut gluten in half, Like the full peptide is addictive, but if you cut it in half, the piece called gliadin, that's also addictive. That also acts on your opioid receptors. Yeah. And soy is as well. So we've got basically three things. If you count gliadin as one, that's four things. It's gluten, gliadin, uh, dairy and uh, casein specifically in dairy. And then the, uh, the soy, soy morphine, they call it. Um, And sure enough, these food companies, they put that stuff in everything, right? They put that shit on everything. And, (laughs) And, and they do it on purpose. They hire people like me, right. They hire researchers to try and find ways to sneak this stuff in and then, you know, look on the labels and sure enough, and they hide it a lot of times on the labels. They'll just call it natural flavors. Like they even put it sometimes in soft drinks and stuff under this guise of natural flavors, <laughs> you know, like it's ridiculous because <laughs> it's natural, right? I mean, soy is natural, whatever. So is gluten, you know, it's found in nature. Um, but That's a problem, right? Like when people are eating all these useless calories and there's no nutrients in there, and and their body's craving nutrients and they're not supplementing anything. So that that first of all starts to decline testosterone. In my opinion, basically anything that decreases your overall health decreases your testosterone. So people aren't sleeping; their testosterone cuts in half just from that. Sometimes, sometimes in in a week or two, you know, you cut your sleep off. people are eating shitty. They're super mineral deficient. You know, magnesium is huge for testosterone. Calcium is huge. Zinc is huge. Boron is huge for freeing up your testosterone. Yeah. Uh, So a lot of these minerals zinc. Uh, And then the other one is heavy metals on the, on the flip side of that. If you're exposed to heavy metals, it actually lowers your testosterone as well. So minerals increase your testosterone, the ones that you need, the heavy metals that are bad for you, they lower your testosterone very well established in the research if you're ingesting cobalt and chromium and cadmium at high levels or whatever heavy metal you want to talk about, it's going to lower your testosterone. And a lot of people do that because, you know, they're just, like I said, they're eating these processed foods that have a lot of these chemicals hidden in them. I mean, a good example is that chocolate. Did you see that study on chocolate?
0: No, I did not see that. Share this study because I'm a chocolate yeah. whore. So they'll probably chase yeah, yeah, okay. the feelings real bad.
2: Did yeah. you say you see you saw that, Jason? No, no,
0: I just know. said
1: I love
2: chocolate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we're just like about it.
2: Well, if you Google, I know I probably can't share screen, but if you Google uh, Consumer Reports chocolate, something like that, just those three words, uh, you'll find they analyzed chocolate for lead and uh, chromium, I believe, or one of these heavy metals. I don't know if it was chromium, but uh, see, see if you can find it. One of you guys, if you don't, if I'm you don't looking. mind. Yeah, I'm looking.
1: All right, lead right and on. cadmium could be cadmium. In
2: your, that's it. I knew it was. in your
1: dark chocolate. It says. Yep.
2: Exactly. Yeah. If you scroll down that page, you'll find the actual data, and you'll see all the different brands of chocolate that they found were over 100 percent above the government safety limits for these lead and cadmium.
0: Wow. Yeah, no. High in lead, lint, Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. High in both lead and cadmium. and Trader Joe's, lilies, green and blacks.
2: Yep. Yep. And I was uh, eating Trader co-coa Joe's every the,
0: day. The dark side. <laughs> yeah.
2: And yeah. the reason for this is they use uh, lead and cadmium while they're, when they're extracting the cocoa beans, the chocolate from the cocoa beans, they use lead and cadmium to make it look darker in dark chocolate. So there was a manipulation. There was like a third party company that all these companies were getting their their powder from yeah and they were screwing everybody you know they were putting these metals in there and this is the kind of stuff that happens when our food is like from different countries and you know like coming on ships all the time and we don't know what the hell's going on and barely anybody's testing it you know it's it's frustrating at least sometimes comes out but you always have to wonder with this processed food right and the more processed your food is the more fuckery there is right the more potential for fuckery it doesn't have to be for sure it's not all bad but man some of it is and it's hard to know so it's better to get your whole cow from your local farmer you know get your you know what i mean like go local as much as you can obviously you can't do that completely but that stuff lowers your testosterone without a question um and it's healthy you know like i'm a fan of dark chocolate i gave it to my kids for you know all the time at lunchtime i'll give Yeah, you are like here you go Here's some lead. Eat that fucking
0: lead.
2: China is notorious for getting busted for stuff like this. Like Thailand as well. They used to put uh, phthalates in a bunch of food products. Phthalates are plastic chemicals, you know, and they got busted for that a bunch of years ago. And you've probably seen the stuff on uh, olive oil. You know, they're cutting olive oil with canola oil. And it's not legal, but they get busted all the time for doing that. Jeez.
0: Ah man, it's just, you know, when you talk about it, it's just depressing and it's even harder to like convey this to a Mr. or Mrs. Jones, like gen pop people, or even some higher level people. Like they're just, they've always been athletes. They've always just trained and you're like, well, something's causing a problem somewhere. And I really think that heavy metal one's a huge one. I had a client and when I walked out her timeline, literally all her problems started after she had four mercury fillings. Oh, yeah. And
2: definitely leech.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, she actually had a crack in one that the the, uh, biologist had noted when he was removing it. So God knows what she was getting exposed to. Um, I want to kind of break this down, though. When you talked about oils, you talked about olive oil. Mm. Why is it that, uh, I I guess, when it comes to the ingredients to make um, or, or the raw ingredients for oils, do you think that that is done purposely by the food industry where they are raising the prices where it's so astronomical to say olive oil is more expensive? Because if they're cutting it with stuff, that almost sounds like a cocaine dealer. Like, you know, when you used to get good Coke back in the day, like
2: creatine and in you'd there. step
0: on it with creatine or something, you know, I'm not saying I would know. But um, nonetheless, why do you think we're having some of these problems with the food? I mean, granted, yeah, it's cheaper. But let's go a little sub level. Do you think that this is like part of just to help make everyone be a little bit sicker? I mean, are we Hmm. at a point that we need to have supplements 24 seven?
2: I think they just cut it because they can get away with it. Right. Like, let's say you, let's say you run an olive oil company and you realize like, oh, I got, I got approved by the government when I first set up my food company. And then they just come once a year or something. And they hardly ever come and they never do food testing. They just look at my facility put a little stamp on it and call her a day they realize like hey i can get away with some shenanigans nobody's checking what's actually in this stuff as long as it looks like olive oil i'm gonna get away with it and they do that for years and years they make way more money so they're able to squash a lot of their competition i think there's a lot of that going on um and there's obviously influence on the pharma companies with our politicians and there's a lot of shenanigans going on with the food companies and our politicians. You probably saw some of that new research that's come out. Basically, that the food companies are manipulating scientific research, right? What else is new?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. My friends would only are. I mean, we're only arguing that there's no difference between eating pineapple and having Coke, che- Coke, chef po- post-workout. I'm like, okay, yeah. you guys can say that. <laughs> Um, according to research, why do you think that that didn't get as much headlines as it should have? Because no, the fitness industry kind of went silent with it. It like literally was out there for a few hours and then just dwindled away.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of it is just mainstream media made it seem like you're doing, you know, you're talking about something that's a conspiracy, right? If the mainstream media doesn't pick it up, then people think it's just kind of a questionable conspiracy, even though it was super well validated that there was this manipulation by the food companies um, on the scientific research. So that's a problem, right? When the mainstream media is also bought out by the pharma companies and, but you know, 75% of the ads on TV are pharmaceuticals, right? So of course, they're they're not going to say, yeah, they're not going to say anything negative about that. And the food companies are just as bad. I mean, they're, they're also manipulating a lot of these things, the nutritional stuff, the dietetics institutes and things, a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it is really questionable. I mean, an example, just today, I was reading something from the Mayo Clinic about everybody needs to eat more whole grains. And it's like, everybody? Like, what about people with celiac? Like, how ridiculous that a supposedly scientific institution would just globally say everybody needs to eat more whole grains, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the least scientific way to say something. But that's what you're getting. And why would they say things like that? It doesn't even make sense. Well, because the nutrition companies are giving them a lot of money and then they're getting money from the pharmaceutical companies when people get sick from that. Right. So then they have lifelong customers, you know, how like on Netflix, you pay your 20 bucks a month or whatever. And that's a really good business model. Same thing with these pharma companies, except they've got like billions of customers. Right. And it's way more than $20 a month. So it's a business strategy on some part of it, but it's also super unethical and sketchy, but, It's hard to decipher all that, right? It's hard to pick it out.
1: What about people that are eating pretty healthy? Is it the soil? Is it stress? Is it, you know, our electronic lifestyle? Is it a combination of all those things? You know, you hear the soil is just lacking nutrients compared to what, you know, our parents Mm -hmm. had like Yep. how much truth is there to that and you know i i assume it's true what what yep. what's your take in your research if you haven't oh, yeah. looked
2: into it? i've looked into it i've done a youtube video on it uh it's probably shadow band but if you look up anthony yeah. j on
1: youtube yeah i'm and shadow band so... on instagram too
0: pretty much you can't find me oh yeah not my yeah. stuff i'm always restricted on what people can see
2: yeah it's hilarious i have a i have a video on fluoride actually and if you type in the exact title and my name, you can't find it. It doesn't, it doesn't come up. <laughs> uh, and it's like, what else are you supposed to do to find this friggin' video? Right. Yeah. But um, but I've done one on soil depletion and I go through the data. Like, for example, if you eat an orange today, the same exact orange that your grandparents ate had had four times
1: more minerals. See that's that's scary. Yeah, Yeah. it takes four of those damn things to get it, and then then you're then you're up in your triglycerides because you just ate oranges. carbs. Yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's a legitimate problem for sure. I also think this this propaganda right now about lowering your cholesterol. Everybody needs to have super low cholesterol. That also lowers testosterone. It's very noticeable. Like when you get these vegans and their their total cholesterol is one hundred. Their testosterone is way lower than it should be. As soon as they bring their cholesterol up to 200, their testosterone always tracks up. It just doubles or triples sometimes, right? They go from 200 to 600 when they bring their cholesterol from 100 to 200, right? They look like um, a
1: sickly bunch anyways, most of them. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't see too many vegans where I'm like, ah, oh, pillar of health.
2: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and it's not just the people that are extreme vegans, it's the freaking medical community telling everybody to lower your cholesterol and get on statins.
1: Yeah,
0: so, that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it lowers testosterone, right? You lower that cholesterol, you're gonna lower your testosterone.
0: Yeah, they but want like about- below LDL below the hundred now, right? And years ago that used to be like 130 or whatever, I want to say, and then they've just been chopping away at it over time. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah. It's super frustrating because it's, it's not valid science. A lot of it's manipulation. A lot's, by the way, I did a five-year PhD on the topic of cholesterol. Cholesterol and sex hormones is my specialty. That's what I spent five years doing. And I, I get tired of it because people want to debate like, what about this study? What about that study? And it's like, yeah, but what about this study? what about that study? And it's just like, there's so much shenanigans. It's just like the COVID thing. It's like, when you try and get into it, there's a lot of manipulation and shenanigans and it gets super muddy, super quick. And that's, I think part of the strategy, right? Like then you sell more prescription drugs. Cause if you get, if you create a bunch of confusion on the topic and then you have supposed experts that you prop up and then you censor everybody else and then the other side doesn't get out, the information doesn't get out. Well then you can make the story whatever you want. And then ultimately you end up selling more of your product. If that's your ethical strategy or your business strategy, I should say. Um, but anyways, going back to the testosterone, right? I think for sure the artificial estrogens are another huge component. I mean, without a doubt, like the phthalates in particular, and the BPA back in the day, and the atrazine, and the you know the red food coloring. The whole Correct
0: thing. me if I'm wrong. Just because they made BPA illegal there isn't or not for use but there is other forms of like bpac or whatever it is that they exactly. just went over it's like in the steroid world oh we well, made that yep. steroid illegal oh we'll just add a little carb molecule here and voila a new steroid exactly. so exactly. that's pretty much what they did in regards to that that is truth Yep.
2: oh yeah 100 they use bps instead bps is the most uh commonly used analog of bpa so it's called bisphenol s instead of bisphenol a and by the way the guy that invented bpa we probably didn't talk about this last time but no we did not his name is charles dodds d-o-d-d-s uh he he literally designed bpa as birth control he made it for freaking birth control and then they discovered they can use it as plastic like they could make plastic tupperware out of it holy and, and they've decided, hey, we're making way more money on the plastic than the birth control aspect of this. Let's just shift into that. And that's what they've done. And back in the day, they used to tell everybody, like, it's OK. It doesn't leach. It definitely doesn't leach. There's no leaching. Scientists, experts all agree BPA does not leach. And just like they do now, right? They do this whole experts all agree that this and that. And it's like, hey, I'm an expert and I don't agree with that. Why aren't you bringing me into this equation, right? But they just globally say these things like, oh, grains are good for everybody or whatever the hell.
1: So Um, so how bad are these like rice packs where you can like put them in the microwave? Oh, yeah. or like the dinner cups of rice. When you you see Jason crying at
0: night, you know. I am, dude, because it's so (laughs) So bad, right? Like,
2: are they so bad? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I think anything that's plastic. The main thing is liquid, right? Like if it's got liquid in it and you're heating it up in plastic like sous vide or something like that. Mm. Uh, it's it's leaching a lot of unnecessary plastic. Now the thing is like if you've eliminated all the plastic water bottles and all this plastic and that plastic and you're filtering your drinking water, yeah, once in a while you can have some plastic, right? Like y- your body can handle a certain amount. The problem is you're lowering your testosterone the more you build up in your system and it bioaccumulates, right? So it's it's a matter of like how much has been building up. But um <laughs> yeah. But the BPA story, I mean, you know, they've done the same thing right now. They're doing the same thing with phthalates, right? Like ask a scientist who who's involved in this process. And by the way, I have. Ask them, what about these BPA-free plastic bottles? Do they leach?" And they'll say, oh, no, they don't leach." I was like, what the hell? I thought, like, that's what they said with the BPA. And, and it's like, well, where's the studies? Where's the studies pro or con, right? Like, have you tested it? And i like, no. Um, And by the way, I tried to get it tested personally. It was like $300 per sample. I was just going to buy a bunch of random water bottles and send the water away and get it sampled for phthalates and BPA. And this is like one of the premier third-party testing companies in the country, right? Like literally the best of the best that I could find. And again, expensive, whatever. I figured I would take one for the team just so I can talk about it publicly and at least have some awareness. And also, so I knew. And so for BPA, um, they measured down to 50 nanograms uh per liter or per deciliter. I can't remember. Whatever the the same units are for testosterone, right? And they measured down to about 50. Uh or excuse me, not testosterone, estrogen. Like what do you what are the units they use for estrogen? Is it nanograms
1: per deciliter?
0: It's nanograms, if I'm not mistaken, because yeah. is it progesterone or pico?
1: Pico is for progesterone. Yeah. Here. yeah, And, yeah. Then, and, and then sometimes.
0: Estrogen.
2: Yeah, the problem is they they sometimes use like Picograms per mil instead of picograms per deciliter, whatever you know what I mean. Like they manipulate these. So, picograms per milliliter is this this particular lab I'm looking at, but that's nanograms per deciliter, is it or liter? But the point is right. Like the units are confusing because some lab testing companies use some like the picograms per liter, and then other ones use nanograms per milliliter. Right? If you keep dropping or adding zeros on either end of that equation, the denominator it's the same thing. But the point is, I sent these, I, I was going to send water samples to this company and said, yeah, we measure BPA down to 50 nanograms per mil, let's say, or picograms per mil, whatever though. And then they said, and we measure phthalates down to 50,000 nanograms per mil. And I'm like, wait, what the, Like, what the hell? That's not even close to your natural hormone levels, right? So in other words, like the BPA measurements they're doing right now in third party testing, and in research labs are very relevant because your natural estrogen is usually about 20 to 200, you know, even for women, it's 20 to 200 for men. It's usually closer to 20, let's just say. Yeah. But if you're measuring BPA all the way down to 50, at least you're kind of in the range where you're like your natural estrogen levels are. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if you're measuring phthalates, at 50,000 and that's as far down as you go. Let's say your phthalate level in your in your water is 40,000 nanograms, right? Well, it's not even freaking close. Like, like that's probably having a huge impact on your hormones, right? But you know what they're gonna say when you get that email back from that third-party testing company? They're gonna say phthalates were not found because they only measured down to 50,000. Right. Whereas the BPA, they're going to freaking find it. If it's in there, they're going to probably find it because it's going to be down to 50 nanograms. Um, But if you're only measuring down to 50,000 nanograms, you see what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. So why pay three hundred dollars to have that test? They're basically going to tell me it's negative unless it's just like pure phthalates. Right. Right. And so that's one of the problems right now is they're just not even looking for it. And part of the problem, one of the reasons is because they find it in freaking everything. When you do those studies, I've personally done this stuff. When you try and measure phthalates, it's like freaking everywhere. Like the pla- like when you grow cells in a plastic dish and then you measure the liquid out of that plastic, you know, that the cells are growing in, of course it's full of phthalates, right? They're growing in plastic. So shocker, you're going to find phthalates in there. And when you pipette, you know what pipettes are, you know, like in the lab or use that little electronic pipetter tool and you, zzz, yeah. zzz, you suck up the liquid in this little plastic tube. It's a freaking plastic tube. They've literally done studies. I cite them in my book, Estrogeneration, yeah, I remember where they... That. They look at like the liquids that you're sucking up into pipettes and the plastic contamination, the phthalate contamination in those. So if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. But most of these studies don't go below 50,000 nanograms, meaning it's completely silly because of course they're not going to find it, you know, when it's 40,000 or 30,000 or 20,000 or even 50. I have
1: a question. It's kind of on a different uh, direction, but what about cell phones? Is there any yeah. correlation? Is, is there any research? Because that's something that's new in the last 20 years. I mean, I I, yeah. I I didn't get my first cell phone. I think I was 24. Obviously, I'm dating myself, but like, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm 44 now. So that's about 20 years when they really became prevalent. Yeah. Any
2: connection? Maybe, but they're, that's the same problem. They don't do a lot of research on it. <laughs> Uh, now me personally, I use a cell phone as much as anybody and I carry it in my pocket as much as anybody and my testosterone seven fifty, and I don't, I'm totally natural in all regards. So I know you can do it. You can have a cell phone and, you know, and as long as you exercise and eat healthy mm-hmm. and sleep and avoid these fake estrogens, I know I'm an example of somebody who can keep it up high. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's, it's at least for me personally, I don't think it's shutting my testosterone off, but some people are more sensitive. I mean, I look at genes that are related to EMF sensitivities, yeah. and uh, yeah. there's some rare genetic issues where some people are super sensitive to cellular damage from EMFs, and most people aren't. So then they get they get kind of seen as conspiracy theorists because it's like they know they freaking get damaged from it. They can feel it. It screws up their health. They can't sleep. All this kind of stuff, and then they get rid of those EMFs and they can sleep amazing and stuff like this. And so there's people that absolutely know this and they have genetic issues and nobody wants to give them credit for it because it's kind of rare. And it's like, well, you know, Bell's palsy is rare. Does that mean mm-hmm. whether somebody has it, we just pretend like they're a conspiracy? Yeah. Th- you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's the stupidest thing to yeah. say. If something is rare, that means we don't have a problem. Right.
1: I was just, I always just, thought I was just curious about things that have come up, you know, in the last 20 years, like that have changed, you know, that, right. that have a good point impact in our, our lives. Now I do, think that because of the technology, people are more stressed than ever. And I know that that has a a profound effect on hormones. Um, so I think that could, could definitely be an issue.
2: I agree. In fact, when I was researching testosterone, there's two different kinds of stress, right? Like they were measuring stress comparing, you know, like people that had anxiety type stress, you know, and that definitely lowers testosterone. But then there's the other type of stress where you're like going out into the football field before a game. And it's like, a, it's, they call it stress, but it's, it's like you stress the stress,
0: stress, right?
2: Yeah. And it, and it actually increases your testosterone, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite of, of the anxiety stress. So a lot of the studies don't distinguish that. And it's really irritating because they do these really sloppy studies and then they just globally lump everybody together and they say it's all straight. And then they, they, they do an average of the populations and they just find it doesn't do anything. Right. So these studies are kind of bogus, but if you start picking that apart or at least recognizing that's a factor in these studies, it allows you to read the studies better. And by the way, I, I don't remember if, did I ever tell you my cyanide story?
0: No, we'd like I'll to think- hear Oh that. man like, think- anything involved in cyanide is good. Now I want to ask you about <laughs> fluoride. I want to follow up on something.
2: Oh yeah, let's do fluoride after that. So when I was in Boston, I literally was researching testosterone and just across the hall from me there was a professional PhD scientist um, who murdered his wife. all right And it's a true story. <laughs> he's, in, he's, in, he's in prison he, and his wife was a medical doctor. And he, he put cyanide in her protein shake. She went to the gym, had a supposed heart attack. And the only reason he tried to get her rush cremated, he's like on record, because <laughs> I've seen all the court documents and I've read through all the transcripts from the court and stuff because he's in prison. But he's on record, like trying to get her rush cremated, this whole thing. But one of the nurses thought her blood was kind of a brighter red color than normal. So they tested for cyanide, which they never do. And, and they busted him. And here's the thing. I was across the hall, I was studying testosterone and literally when I purchased it, I had to get signatures from the department chair. When it came in the mail, I had to get signatures. I had to put it in a locked safe, like a gun safe, right? Your and when I took it out, I had to get, just for testosterone, like totally natural, bioavailable testosterone. All these signatures, all this red tape, this guy across the hall, ordered a kilogram of cyanide to his research lab nobody cared it wasn't flagged on anything obviously a whole bunch of it was missing when they had the detectives come in and start digging around and uh it was pretty obvious what happened right but that's the difference like that's how that's how influenced our whole system of research is they try and make studying a natural testosterone as hard as they can because as challenging as they can because it helps a lot of people with a lot of issues that gets them off their pharmaceutical drugs, right? You can be on like five drugs. I see this all the time. You get on TRT, you boost that testosterone up, whether it's natural or TRT, both are awesome. And then all of a sudden, oh, your Prozac's and your Zoloft's and whatever the hell all of a sudden they're out the window. Right. And so these companies lose a lot of money and how do they respond to that? Well, let's demonize testosterone. Let's make it, let's tell everybody it's terrible for people. It thickens your blood uh, or whatever else, right? Like that's, let's make people afraid of it.
0: yeah i want to get in I actually have that um written down actually talk about trt uh because there's a lot of people who talk about dangers because there's still a like a uh where people don't want to do trt like it's still got like this shadow thing like why you what about me take steroids but i want to talk about fluoride i went through a fluoride detox early last year so i was taking up to 20 milligrams of copper 40 milligrams of boron and i'll tell you what man if i have any kind of tap water still to this day like i'm rocked for like my gut feels just awful for like 15 20 minutes what it, is the fluoride? Is that having an issue with the testosterone levels? Because yep. it's in everything. I've read about stuff because I'm big into psychedelics about they purposely put the fluoride in the water. Yep. So it, it seals up the pineal gland. So you're not, you know, third eye, you know, you're third eye blind or whatever. And so I wanted to get your your take on that. What is fluoride an easy low hanging fruit that people could just get rid of and start working yep. on?
2: hundred percent. I personally have never had a cavity in my whole life. And I've not used fluoride in the past 10 years. Now, I used to use it, but I'm not used it in the past 10 years. Um, I did some YouTube videos. You can't find the damn thing. So if you if you want to find them, you have to search my channel, Dr. Anthony J, and then like literally go back in the history of the videos that I've created. And it's like one of the first, I think literally the first three videos I made, two of the three were on fluoride on that channel. And okay. this was like years ago. And the only reason I made those videos is because my brother was asking me, hey, I got kids now. Should I give them fluoride toothpaste? And I said, well, let me look at the research, right? That's what I do for a living. And I dug into it super deep. And the whole idea that fluoride is good for you started with this cow study. They took out teeth from cows. They put them in a bunch of acid with or without fluoride. <laughs> like some of some of them had acid with fluoride and some of them, they put it in acid without fluoride. And then they did x-rays of these teeth. And they said, oh, look, at the fluoride ones are better protected against degradation, Right. That's the study initially that kicked off this whole thing that like, oh, fluoride is the best thing ever. And by the way, the funniest part of this whole thing, because that's kind of a shitty study. It's like it was pretty strong acid. It's not really imitating what's going on in our mouth. But, you know, the funniest part is they redid that study recently, um, at least recent to the time that I did that video. And they they did it with higher tech, better technology. Instead of using x-rays, they used uh, tomography. And they found it didn't make any difference. <laughs> the fluoride didn't even make a difference. So this whole foundation of like fluoride is key for your teeth. Literally, the initial study for that was bullshit. Now Ugh. they've redone it with better technology. And if you look at all of the studies, they're all kind of bullshit. Like this idea like, oh, this town over here uses fluoride and this one doesn't. And look at how much less cavities you have in this town versus that town. When they finally have like compiled all the data, there's no difference. It doesn't matter if your town has fluoride in the city water or not. There's no fluoride. There's no difference in terms of cavity numbers, all that. But you have to really dig through the data because some sometimes you're going to find a town that has fluoride and they have less cavities, right? And if you're cherry picking those towns, it's going to look like uh, fluoride is beneficial. Now, I've not used it for my kids ever, and only my oldest kid is the only one. I have five kids, right? None of them have had busy cavities. man.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah we're we homeschool too so we're always oh, running shit. around oh. no fuck <laughs> and my oldest kid is the only child i have with cavities because she was back in the day uh eating all kinds of nonsense and whatever it was before i was healthy like we just didn't know what we were doing you know and, and we weren't that healthy she calls it the good old days it's pretty funny like when we used to go to dunkin donuts and actually buy donuts and stuff now i never <laughs> do that but So she's, she, she literally jokes about it, but all the other kids have been off of fluoride and they've never had a cavity. So, and that definitely lowers your testosterone. There's no question. I don't know much about the pineal gland and all that, but I know for sure it lowers testosterone. And I know for sure it's unnecessary. And I know that it causes a lot of issues if you go above the recommended levels. And by the way, if you're spitting, like, say you spit out your toothpaste, but 1000th of your fluoride toothpaste stays in your body. That's too much. That's excessive. One thousandth of your toothpaste is too much fluoride to be ingesting. Really? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talk about in that video that I did on YouTube. So if people well, want to see if, the numbers.
1: If you want to stop and get that out of your body, what do you do? Chelation or what? How do you?
0: Boron on and copper make you sick as fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I just oh, recommend man. just get it out of your, just stop drinking it. Right. Like people are just drinking it every day. I mean, start with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and your bones build up some of it and things like that. So it takes a while to kind of just clear out of your system. It might take years, right? But at least just stop putting it in. That's that's the best that I know. And maybe use a sauna, right?
0: Yeah, infrared sauna has been shown to detox heavy metals a lot. Mm -hmm. I've been really digging into that because you know the whole theory of what goes up must come down, you know, exhaust, the whole nine yards, everything that's getting sprayed. I think it's safe to say after what we've just talked about in this context of the conversation. The world is becoming more polluted. It's These are actual facts. The chemicals have gotten away from us and we are basically responsible for our own demise because we don't care enough to put any safe parameters in with people we elect is basically what I kind of yeah. coming away from hearing on this conversation.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, people have to take responsibility for their own individual health because the government's not... The problem is when you're 20 years old, you can get away with a lot of shenanigans and your body just bounces right back. So a lot oh. of these younger people think it's fine. Right. So you're basically as you age, you start to realize like, oh, no, this is a real thing. I, I was wrong when I was younger to laugh at all this stuff. Right. But you're kind of it's a generational thing where you get categorized as like an old person. If you think this is really having an impact on your life. And it definitely is. But you get lumped into this category like, oh, that's just some old guy, you know, Um. <laughs> And, and it's because as we age, our bodies become more sensitive to everything, inflammation across the board, right? We make less stem cells, you know? So, uh, we notice it more with age, but you know, it's, it's a real thing. Even when you're 20, it's, it's optimal. If you want to be optimal, even as a kid, you want to start getting rid of these chemicals and avoiding fluoride and, and, you know, eating healthy, all that stuff sticks with you.
0: Yeah. Well, also like we don't kids, I mean, you saw the new stuff coming out where they're, you know, um, I think it was in the AP yesterday, the pediatrics group came out and said that kids should be looking at with semaglutide gastric bypass surgery. Like you're not basically what it is, is you're not sweating as a way to detox. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, no one is sweating it the way they used to. You're not out there in, in the sun doing stuff in the field taking yep. care of your house, doing a lot of things we once were in society. If you don't want to mow the lawn, you don't have to mow your fucking lawn. Yep. Um, yep. I wanted to ask though to this before we get into our side, are we now at the point that we need a supplement with everything? Like, are we officially there? Like for gym pop people, like anyone who's listening, right? If you're an athlete, obviously, of course, that's like you should be taking like some kind of product, green product, whatever, extra magnesium, et cetera. But are we there now officially with how bad things are that people should be really paying attention to their detox pathways, breathing, sweating, et cetera, and re-fortifying their food on top of what they think they should be doing?
2: Depends. I mean, everybody's different, right? So like for me, I'm a hunter. I've got a bunch of deer in my freezer. I got three chest freezers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I shot an antelope this year, pronghorn, that sucker was out there literally living off of sagebrush and stuff. There's you know, these fields that these farmers are irrigating and tilling and fertilizing and spraying stuff on, they never put, you know, when they fertilize fields in our industrial agriculture, they only put nitrogen back on, right? Nitrogen, phosphorus. They're not putting magnesium back in the soil. They're not putting calcium back in the soil. They're not putting any of these copper, right? Uh, Boron. They're not putting micro minerals back in. The plants are still pulling that stuff out, but they're not putting it back in. So of course the soils are depleted. So if you're getting, if all you're getting, is foods from those sources. Yeah, you absolutely have to be super careful with your minerals and supplement them. Honestly, you have to. But if you're like me and you're out shooting stuff, you know, those animals are wild. They're eating all kinds of diverse plants. Their bodies know when they need more boron or whatever, and they eat more of this plant instead of that plant and that kind of thing. And their meat ends up having a good balance of all that. And you make some bone broth, you know, like you get, you get it from, you can get it from your diet. Or if you're, let's say you, like last week, I had a DNA consulting client they sent me a bunch of beef, like literally, like a giant box, like forty inches long, just full of beef from their cows that they raised out in Wyoming. I was hunting on their ranch this year, and then they sent me a bunch of beef. Uh, those cows, I was out there, like we were doing ultrasounds on the cows and stuff. I took some film of it and put it on my, my outdoor YouTube channel. And those cows are doing the same thing that pronghorn did, right? They're just out there eating sagebrush and just out fending for themselves and Super healthy cow, super balanced nutrition-wise. So it's all a context thing. I think if you have to eat more conventional, you have to supplement more. If you can eat more wild and natural, like Joe Rogan's eating elk, you don't have to supplement that much, right? I think that's how people should approach
0: it. I like that answer. I think that answer is a reasonable one. I want to wrap up with TRT. There's a lot of, I feel expectations or wrong information kind of goes on both ends, right? Like people think they take TRT therapy, boom, all my problems gone away. And then they think like a lot of people are scared about, I know a big one that a lot of guys are scared of is the hematocrit Mm. and the blood thickening issues. What is, is there any research on that? You can't really find, I know we've talked about this before on the podcast and you were saying um, that you knew a researcher who was kind of talking about hematocrit not really being a thing once you're on TRT therapy, but you can't really find anything out there. So I question guys always getting their blood dumped. Um, because of TRT yep. therapy, because I've seen a lot of guys who will kind of go into shock after the second time, and then they just don't take some months to feel good because of the iron. Yeah, yep. yep. what yep. is your thoughts on that? Like, if someone's begin TRT exactly. therapy and all that, like, what what should they be paying attention to? And is some of this stuff still kind of like witchcraft to get people to be scared away from taking it?
2: Oh yeah, they used to tell you, like, my dad's a medical doctor, right? He's old school. They used to tell him if you're taking testosterone you're going to get a heart attack. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: That's what they used to tell people. Yeah, And that's total scare tactics. It's total bullshit. In fact, they've done a study with like 80,000 veterans, so like American veterans, and they found that the people on TRT have less heart attacks, by far, way less. It's protective for your heart. It's the opposite of what they told these doctors. The only reason they told them it causes heart attacks is because it raises your cholesterol, which it does a little bit. Who cares? <laughs> it's protective for your heart, right? All that matters is whether you're having heart attacks or not. Um, and how much heart disease you have and if it's less well then who cares now the hematocrit thing um i think it's the same type of scare tactic i'm not afraid of it What i i approach it more of a as a ferritin thing right like which is irrespective of your of your testosterone so here's how i think through this right i look at people's genetics and i can't remember with with jason or with you guys if you guys had any issues with iron in your blood some people do, some people don't. It's okay if you don't remember either, Jason. I just, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I don't remember. Like, yeah, like some people, you probably don't have any issues. Some people have hemochromatosis genes, right? Like yeah. there's a gene called HFE, for example. People can look it up if they want. And it doesn't matter whether you're on testosterone or not. If you have those genes, you tend to have super high ferritin and you've got to donate blood once in a while to get your ferritin down. It doesn't matter if you're on testosterone. Um, But here's the thing. If you're on testosterone, a lot of times it heals your gut. It's very healing for your body, right? Your body accelerates healing. If your testosterone is nice and high, that's true of your joints. It's true of your muscles, right? If you go to the gym and you blast your body and you work out super hard, your muscles heal faster. If your testosterone is higher, right? Pretty basic. Same thing is true of your gut lining. If you have intestinal issues and your testosterone is super low and you boost the testosterone up, your intestinal issues heal it faster, right? Like your gut heals quicker and you start absorbing nutrients better, including iron, and then your iron goes even higher so sometimes if you're on testosterone you got to pay more attention to the iron now the hematocrit i don't care as much but the iron i do care and again that's more of a genetic thing that you can prevent without even without even doing blood tests you can look at people's genetics and analyze that and predict that very accurately and so i would worry about iron if that's too high Um, donate blood because that's oxidative. It damages arteries. It causes problems. But if that's too low, forget about it, right? Like then you definitely don't want to donate blood because then you're just literally making yourself tired. You can't make enough blood cells. Your performance goes down your recovery goes down.
0: Yeah. I was curious about that because I was reading in a book I read last year about copper and stuff, talking about ferritin being at zero, And the one person I saw who was fair to a zero felt like absolute shit. And I was just like, I don't know if that's necessarily the right answer based on what I saw. Uh, Morley Robbins, his book, The Copper Revolution, which, um, you know, some of that was interesting, like copper and helping with brain fog and things like that. But it does detox fluoride. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, you sweat a bunch of it out and people aren't replacing it. The same with iodine, which is why you have some of the hypothyroid issues and so forth. It just sounds like we're not really prepared for living in the 21st century for what we are trying to do, unless we want to be docile little lambs out there to be slaughtered, is, is what it sounds like. But you know, I really appreciate you answering those questions about that because I always tell clients, like, well, the metacritic, you know, I wouldn't really flag it and worry you unless it was like over 55, 56. I really pay attention to that iron and really what you're doing with your iron and go get your DNA check for the hemat- uh, hemat- hematocrosis side of things. Um, so I'm glad you, at least you some of us said lined up with that because so I was like, oh, shoot, wipe my brow on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that either of you gents want to cover on this topic? I feel like we did a really good job of just letting people know like, hey, it's really the food. It's your environment. And it's the lack of sleep and just the lifestyle changes of the 21st century. And you just kind of have to really I think the last
1: piece, which is obvious, though, is, you know, lack of activity, you know. Oh, it's it's a huge one. I I know it's a no brainer, but, you know, in our audience is probably working out. But, you know, activity and working out is is going to boost your testosterone, assuming you don't do it to a point of um, excess and, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. I was actually going in that direction too, Jason. That was one of the foundations I was going to bring up, but I never got around to it. So I'm glad you did because I wanted, I wanted to bring that up. You know, you activate those glutes, you activate those quads, you activate the lats, you know, the biggest muscles in your body, the the, the bigger muscles, the more uh, testosterone you get, right? You got to activate those big muscles regularly.
0: Yeah. And I think that um, we're just seeing an overall, that message isn't being pushed Yep. Um, anymore as far as you know, sleeping better, taking care of yourself and so forth. Yep. Um I will say it's always a pleasure, Jay, for you to join us. Where can people tell everybody real quick what you do with your genetic consulting for like a new listener, anyone? That way they'd want to hit you up and kind of be able to get your services. Cause I know Jason raved about it. The podcast episode was a hit. So if you yeah. want to just run over that real quick.
2: Yeah, so people spit in a tube, they do the 23andMe right or the ancestry data. And by the way, those have like 900,000 SNPs, right? Like loads and loads of data. They barely use any of it. And I have my own software that I've custom created uh, that analyzes that. And then I create a report, but I don't just send people reports because everybody's different, right? Like some people need a really in-depth, some people are super knowledgeable about all the mechanisms and they want like to really go through the details. And some people You know, they've never heard the word carb before. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or they've never heard of the keto diet or whatever. They just they just have no depth in their biology background because they're lawyers and they're just been all focused on the law or whatever the hell. So I basically talk to people about their genetics. I have a consult with them where we sit down and I just, you know, if, if you don't know anything about health, we'll get really basic on this and make it super easy to understand. If you know a ton about health, then we'll get super detailed and, you know, and get down in the weeds. And, and so that's what I do. Just consult with people sitting down and talking about the genes and how they can prevent things from happening. And the goal is prevention, right? You don't want to get a heart attack and then find out you could have prevented it.
0: Yeah. I And that's something that I think that a lot of people should really take seriously. If you understand your DNA, then you can really understand the test you want to go get and all that because, you know, you'll see stuff like with cholesterol numbers, they're showing that it doesn't matter if your cholesterol is good or bad. The heart attack rates were kind of the same, I don't, you know, there's stuff with the calcium scores where they kind of like there's conflicting data on that. So I really think that DNA understanding is the way of the future. Have you thought about partnering and working with nutrition companies with coaches and stuff like that to really help hone stuff in? Because I think that's where the industry is going to head towards where we're working with people, practitioners in the DNA side and kind of be like, all right, well, they're 150 pounds and i was thinking about their macro setup this way what do you think about going with this kind of food setup what, what would you recommend based upon their dna
2: oh yeah exactly i have partners and i have coaches one guy's in australia and i've got one in new york Oh shit! and i even partner with a lot of functional doctors and stuff so the functional doctors work with these patients and then they send me the dna and then and then we go through the dna and then they pick it up from there so there's a lot of different aspects to it i recommend people work with the coach i mean, I mean I don't coach. I don't like coaching. You know, I just <laughs> I, I like going through people's genetics. It's very different. It's very interesting. I like talking to different people all the time. It's it's really exciting. But I don't like to try and hold people's hands and coach them along. It's just not my thing. I just don't do well with it. <laughs> so yeah. so I'm not the coach. But I do recommend that people get coaching because it keeps you inspired. And it, even if you know what to do, the coach just helps keep you motivated. Just for that, it's worth it. So, I uh, agree with you
0: hundred percent. I think more and more people are looking for someone to kind of hold them accountable, or at least go yep. down that path with them. Yep. Uh, Jay, where can everybody find you at Dr. Jay and, and your YouTube yep. channel? That's illustriously shadow band. Oh
2: yeah. The <laughs> shadow band channel. So that one, I have two channels on YouTube. One's like outdoor hunting and stuff with my kids. And the other one's uh, just scientific, the scientific ones, Dr. Anthony J and the other one's just called Anthony J cast. And then my website is AJ consulting
0: Sweet. Well, Dr. J, thanks for joining us again. And next time, I guess i will be going over my crappy genetics and see what we get.
1: (laughs) Hopefully, trans
0: God. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, man. I'll see you guys later.
1: Jason. All right, take care.